We are in week number one of our sermon series called, called Not Today, Satan. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to spend the next four weeks taking a look at, at four areas where, where Satan influences our life. That I often tell you God wants to do something in and through your life. Uh, and the same thing is, is true of Satan. That he wants to do something in and, and through your life. And here's the thing. We know, like, like if I was to ask you, what are some ways that Satan is working in and through your life? If you just watch the news, you'll see that, right? Like you can see, literally, you can see the way Satan is using people to cause hatred and discord and, and, and murdering one another. Like we know the big sins of Satan. We know we would say rape is a sin and murder is a sin. And, and we know like the big things. Oftentimes, I think there's some more acceptable things that, that is, I'm, I'm talking really specifically to Christians that we do that we don't even know that, hey man, maybe Satan is, is being able to work in and through your life and you don't even recognize it. Like, have you ever done something that you, weren't, you didn't really realize you were doing? I'll give you an example. I love to watch people. Anybody else a people watcher? Like, I just like people. I think they're funny, right? Like, I thoroughly enjoyed One of my activities when we were first married, we moved, up, we moved to Pennsylvania. We didn't have anything to do. We didn't have any friends. We started a church. Nobody liked us. And so nobody was coming to our church. And so we used to go to the Coventry Mall. You guys know what the Coventry Mall is? And we used to sit outside at the food court at the Coventry Mall. There was always like seven or eight older gentlemen that, that sat at the same table. We would sit right beside them. I would go to Corrado's Pizza. I would get a slice of pizza, an icy tea, because if you're from Pennsylvania, you drink icy tea. And so we're not sure what that is exactly. I drink an icy tea. Uh, and I would sit there, and we would literally just watch people walk into Hot Topic and walk out, and, and we just had a good time. And so I, I still, today, uh, a few weeks ago, I went to, to Myrtle Beach, and I went to a place called Broadway at the Beach, and there's this one novelty store where this guy, if you've ever been there, he sits out front of his store literally every night of the summer. Uh, he, 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 he owns it, and inside the store is nothing. Like, if you ever, if, if you ever go in there, like, why are people going in here? The reason they go in there is because this guy stands outside, and he wears these boxer shorts. He has real clothes on but he wears these boxer shorts and there's a fake butt sticking out and he has, he has a, a, a camera that looks like a camera but it's actually a squirt gun and he wears like these Billy Bob teeth and these glasses and a mullet and he has a dog on his leg that's doing unspeakable things to him and so and he just he literally I sit there and watch him and he just kind of makes fun of people when they're walking by you I mean it's it's hilarious like literally my wife like can we go to something else can we miniature golf can we maybe go see the beach I'm like no this is why I drove nine hours I want to watch this guy make fun of people and so like I love to watch people and sometimes when I'm watching people without even knowing it I get the people watching face and my wife will say to me if you're going to watch people you can't make it obvious that you're I'm like I can't help it like I literally I don't even care right now about them noticing me watching them because it's like a train I cannot turn away like you're just right this is how it works. There's things in our lives that we're doing many times that are giving Satan influence in and through us that maybe we don't even, we don't even know. They're almost sometimes what I will call acceptable sins. Like things that we do that aren't like the big ticket items on top of the list of sins that just become acceptable or necessary sins. And here's what happens. When you do these things, you're actually giving Satan permission in your life to use your life to accomplish evil without even knowing it. Scripture says in Ephesians 4, he says, do not give the devil a foothold. He's talking really specifically about going to bed angry, and we're going to take a look at this in a couple weeks. But it's a principle in life. There's things that you do 
that literally are giving the devil a foothold. Now, I had always pictured a foothold as, as you not closing the door all the way and Satan be able to kind of put his foot in the door and, and then you can't close it. But, but actually, biblically, uh, what a foothold is, is it's a spot for somebody to put their foot so they can get a better, a better grip a, a, as they're climbing up kind of the, the the mountain like it's actually a spot where he can he can continue to to accomplish his purposes in and through your life there's things you're doing that that are giving satan a, a foothold and so for non-believers it works differently because he's not doing these things he, he doesn't need to tempt you he doesn't need to work he already has you but for believers you have to understand satan hates you more than you can even dream pot like when we say God loves you more than you can dream possible. His love will never leave you nor forsake you. He's never going to turn his back on you. He's going to pursue you. No matter how far you fall, he's going to be running after you. Like it's that kind of, of never-ending love. The same kind of love, incomparable almost to the love, Satan has this ridiculous hatred for you. He hates Jesus. He hates everything about Jesus. He is jealous of Jesus, but he can't touch Jesus because Jesus has already defeated him on the cross 2,000 years ago. The Bible says that he crushed the head of Satan, that Satan would bite. Remember that you ever read that verse? That he would nip at the, at the heels of, of the woman, that he would be a nuisance, but one day Jesus would crush his head. He has in fact already done that 2,000 years ago on, on the cross, and the Bible says now we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus our, our Lord. And so you need to understand, he knows he can't touch Jesus, and so the next person he's going to come after is you, because Jesus loves you. He, you're his most loved possession on this earth, and so he's going to do everything he can to try to mess you up. He's going to do everything he can to try to work in and through your life. And so I want to show you, and we could do many of these, but I want to show you four really specific ways that I think we're allowing Satan to work in our lives that we don't even know. And so in a few weeks, we're going to take a look at the topic of offense. Some of you get offended all the time. You don't think you're hurting anybody, but you're actually hurting yourself. We're going to take a look at lust because in our culture, it's just as long as you look and you don't touch, you're fine. So we're going to take a look at lust, but for these next two weeks... And I was only going to spend one week on this, but there was so much in the Bible about the way that we talk. So I figured I'd spend two weeks. And so next we're going to take a look at gossip. And so if you are like, oh, I should skip it because I don't have a problem with that. You have a problem with that. And so, listen, the number one problem in churches is gossip. Are you with me? Like, literally, we talk about people all the time. Here's how you know it's gossip. If you're talking about somebody who's not there and you say something like this, you know, I want to tell you this. I don't want you to tell anybody else. Maybe you can pray for them. That's gossip, right? Like, if they're not there, it's gossip. And so we're going to take a look at gossip. Uh, but today I want, I want to take a look at negative words. I thought that was fitting for those people that live in Philadelphia. Negative words. Satan is getting a foothold in your life through, through the way that you talk. You know, the negative Nellies in this room, you know what I'm saying? The whiny Williams, the complaining Carltons, the gossipy Gertrudes, the critical Carlies, and even, hey, even the flattering Felicias. I tried to find names that I didn't think anybody would have in here. And so, like, you, you know, you know we all struggle with the way that, that we talk. And here, here's the scary thing. Check out what it says in Proverbs 18. It says, the tongue, the way that you talk, has the power of life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. The, the tongue has the power of life and of death. We know this to be true. If you go back to the very beginning of the Bible in Genesis 1, the Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And this is how he created it. The Bible says, he said, he said, let there be light. And there was light. He, he spoke this world 
into existence. And, and the flip side of that is how did Satan bring death into this world? With his, with his words. He, he spoke lies to, to Adam and Eve, and Adam and Eve decided to listen to the lies of Satan over the truth of God. That's a whole another sermon. But we know that the tongue has the power of life and death. Here's how we know that. Let me explain to you. There's a place in King of Prussia right now that just opened called Duck Donuts. I can't even put into words the life of that place. You walk into Duck Donuts, they make every donut fresh, y'all. Now, it's not, it's not Dunkin', it, it's not, it's, it, it, is, it is Duck Donuts, right? You walk in, you order a donut, they come out of this machine, they, you order a donut, any kind of donut that you want, they all start the same, right? That's another message, and so they all start the same, they got different flavors, and so, and then you go down, and you say, I want this, and so I, when I go in there, I get a donut, of course, and then I order a peanut butter topping with chocolate drizzle. I usually get one, but last week I sinned, and I got two, and so I heard, I heard that the French toast donuts were, were amazing, so I got a French, a French toast donut. A French donut tastes exactly like French toast, and the coolest thing about them is they are warm, and then when they, they make, you watch them make them, they slide them out, and they say, how do they look? And I'm thinking, they always look good, gorgeous, like, give them to me, right? And so I literally, and so guess what I just did? I just boosted Duck Donuts stock a couple, a couple, couple points, because everybody in this room is going, you're not even going to hear nothing else I say for the next 30 minutes because I just talked to you about it. Some of you are like, we're going to go there as soon as he's done. It was 26 minutes. I spoke, if I would have stood up here and gone, this is a new place called Duck Donuts. There was a hair in my peanut butter donut. It was disgusting. Kid was picking his nose and putting it in. What happens? With my words, I'm able to speak death and life. Same thing happens in, in people's lives. I mean, think about, think about the destruction that we've spoken over the lives of, of people, of loved ones, not even, not even thinking about it. Think about the things that were spoken into your life. There's things that were spoken into my life that I struggled with until, until I was an adult, until I finally realized that, that the most important words in my life were the words of God, not the words of man. But there was a long time where, where the words, because the tongue has the power of life, and of death. And here's the thing about Satan. He is not a creative being. He just destroys creation. And so you are God's creation. He, he, he authored your life. He knew you before the foundations of the world. He, he, he knows the number of hairs on your head, the, the beats in your chest. He knows everything about you. He knows you better than you know yourself. And he has a good and purposeful plan for your life. And it starts with a relationship with him. And from that moment, he will build you into the person that you never thought you could become for his glory. And as you're doing that, Satan is going to do everything that he can to bring destruction into your life, but he can't stop what God wants to do. And so the only way he can bring destruction into your life, and in one of the big ways, is through the words that you speak. The words that you speak, oftentimes I would say it like this, is what you speak in your life you can expect. What, what you speak, you, you, can, you can expect. And this is what happens. He gains access into your life through your words. I want you to understand that. He gains access into your life through your words. He's not all-powerful. He's not all-knowing. He's not everywhere. He, he is not creative. 
But the Bible says he, he sneaks around like a roaring lion seeking to devour. And so what he does is he has an ear turned to your words. He wants to understand what's going on in your life. He can't get inside your mind, but he will tune into your words. And when he hears the words that you speak, what's happening is you're giving him access into the, into the thoughts of your life. You're giving him the ability to create turmoil and chaos. In other words, I'll say this, and this is really important. You should write this down if you don't have your... But it, what you say in frustration... Satan will often use for destruction. What you say, you ever notice that? Everybody's sick at work. I'm probably going to get sick too. And then you get sick. Well, no crap, idiot. <laughs> or, I hate my job. I hate my job. Every ug, every shake in my head, every other naughty thing you say, right, that you say online that you think it doesn't know, but we know what FML stands for. All those things. Every time that you speak those things, you're giving him access into, into your life. You're, you're allowing him to see the frustration. And what you speak in frustration, often he uses for destruction. I, I'll say it like this. I'm a sports fan. I love football. I love basketball. I, 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 I kind of like baseball because I, I'm American, so I say it's American. But I hate hockey, right? Like I, Pastor Bob loves hockey. And so oftentimes we'll, in, in, when football starts, we'll be talking about Eagles 1. He'll say, you guys see the hockey game? And I'm like, what country is this, bro? <laughs> See Canada? No, we didn't see the hockey game, right? And some of you love hockey, but listen, hockey players are the toughest men in the world, right? Like they are. They're crazy. They'll bust out a tooth. They're like, I got 33 other. It's fine. Like, right? And one thing I noticed about hockey, like when a football player gets hurt, you know exactly what's hurt and exactly how long they're going to be out. Literally, you know the ligament that needs to heal. When When a baseball player gets hurt, they do that. And baseball players rarely ever get hurt because they don't do anything. And so, but... Football players, basketball players get hurt. Like everybody knows what's wrong, kind of with, with, with basketball players. They'll tell you what's wrong, how long it's expected. When a hockey player gets injured, I want you to notice this. If you ever watch hockey, right? If you've got nothing else to do, there's no painting to do, anything like that. And so turn on hockey. If somebody gets hurt, this is what they say when they get hurt. They have a lower body or upper body injury. And that is it. And so I studied and I asked Pastor Bob, I'm like, why, why do they do that? And he said, because if their opponent knows where they're hurt, they're going to take their stick and hit that area. So you are pretty much putting a target on what, if you say, I have a hurt knee, guess what's going to happen? That big bruising six foot seven, you know, Russian is going to take his stick and boom, hit you on the knee. And so they just, because they're going to play anyways, hockey players are insane. And so they just simply say, I have an injury somewhere. Because <laughs> they're not going to give their opponent access into where, where they're hurting. The same thing is true with you. I'm not telling you you're not hurting. I'm not telling you you haven't been injured. I'm not telling you you're not frustrated. I'm not telling you your job doesn't stink. I'm not telling you your marriage isn't broken. But for the love of God, stop telling Satan and start telling Jesus. Stop giving access to Satan into your life. I hate my job. Guess what happens on Monday? Your job gets even worse. I can't stand my wife. The breath gets even smellier, right? Like, I don't like this at all. And it gets even worse. And so don't give Satan access into your life to create turmoil and chaos. I love what it says in Psalms 141. Watch what it says. It says, set a guard over your mouth. I don't know how that looks. But if it was me writing this psalm, I would just say, shut up for once, right? Like, just stop talking. Set a guard over your mouth. Lord, Keep watch over the door of my lips. God, help me to watch what I say. And Lord, keep watch over the door 
of my lips. And so I want to give you three things you should do. Man, I'm going to help you to speak less this week. Speak less, pray more. Speak less, update your status less, call your best friends less, and go speak to the source that could actually change the situation. Like, th- this is really important because some of you are allowing Satan to wreak havoc. Here you, you're basically setting Satan up so he can spike it in your face. Here, here you go, Satan, I'm frustrated. Here you go, Satan, I'm angry. Here, here you go, Satan, I hate my job. Here you go, Satan, I think I'm going to get sick. Here's my anxiety, Satan. Some of you are going, I don't want to give Satan that. Well, then for once, put a guard over your mouth and instead of going to the world, go to the source that could actually make a difference. So let me give you three things to do before you speak. And you, you need right because we struggle with this, right? Like all of us in this room struggle with this. We, we complain. We're, we're negative. We're condescending. We, we, we have no problem lying. Like, like let's, let's just work on the way that we talk, right? Because the, pow- the tongue has the power of death and of life. And so here's three things. Number one is this, is you're going to evaluate before you escalate, before you speak, here's a big one. You're going to think. <laughs> yeah, right, right? Before you, you speak, you're going to think about what you're about to say. You're going to evaluate before you escalate. In fact, it says, I'm going to read two Proverbs really quickly, but I like them. They, they reiterate the same thought. Uh, Proverbs 13 says, all who are prudent... They act with knowledge. They, they're thinkers, right? But fools, they constantly expose their folly. They, they constantly let it out. They, they constantly are speaking. And then it says in Proverbs 14, whoever is patient has great understanding, but one who is quick-tempered displays folly. Like, like whoever is patient, you can tell they're, they're, they're thinkers. They're thinking before they, they speak. Oh, this, is, this is the thought I had for you that I read this week that I thought was so good. Is once you speak, it can never come back. Do you understand? Like every word that you speak is, is there. It's like the internet. You, you put it out there, you're not bringing it back. When you speak a word, it is never coming back. When you speak a word to your spouse, it's out there for good. You might ask for forgiveness, but eventually you're going to speak so many words that forgiveness can't pick them up, right? Like you're going to speak things into your kid's life out of anger because you're not a thinker. You're just going to say things because in the moment, you're not going to think about what you're saying. You're just going to speak what you're seeing, and, and it's going to end up hurting their life. At job, whatever situation that you're in... Oftentimes we speak and then after that try to clean it up. And here's the problem with that. That is like me giving you a feather pillow, cutting the end off it and getting in the car with you and saying, let's go for a drive on this country road. And and when we get about a mile into our trip, going about 55 miles an hour, I say, put down your window and hold the the pillow out and, and let the feathers fly out the window. And we drive for about a mile and a half like that. And then I say, here's your job. Go pick up every feather. You're going to look at me and go, you're an idiot. Like... That's impossible. And so many times in our lives, because we don't evaluate what we're about to say, we just go right from zero to ten and we we escalate. And there's death to follow our our words. I'll give you an example. I was on some people asked me, Have you had a good vacation? Did you have a good vacation? I said, No. We were on family vacation, right? That's like an oxymoron, family and vacation, right? And so I took my kids, we went down to Myrtle Beach, we were supposed to go for two weeks. And just so you understand kind of the, the, the concept of how fun my vacation was, we lasted six days, seven days. On the eighth day, we drove home, right? 
<laughs> we didn't stay the whole time. It was a free place, and so it was like, you know, this is, this is torture. We're going home. And I'm going to be honest with you. There were some fun things that happened on vacation, and I think one day family vacation will be fun when, in like 15 years when they're grown, right? And hopefully normal when they're out of jail and things like that. And so, but, but for right now, I would kind of prefer that, right? Like, I don't, it, literally, it's just like a condensed version of life at home when you're when you're at home it's kind of like summer in school when you when you see your kids a few hours a day and stuff seems to function but when you're together for eight or nine or 15 hours or 24 hours a day you know you can get on each other's nerves let's just say that and so a few weeks ago we left as soon as church was over we drove home we got we got to change our clothes and we drove nine hours to down to Myrtle Beach we drove through Washington DC all that stuff we didn't hit any traffic so our trip started amazing right because if you don't hit traffic in Washington DC that is a move of God and so we get down to, to, to there, and we got down to about, about 2 o'clock in the morning. It's about a nine and a half, ten and a half, eleven and a half. I don't know how long it is. It's a long time. And so we get down there, and we, our kids are excited. And so we get, we're there. Everybody's kind of getting situated. We go to bed. They wake up really early. And because we're tired from the day before, we preached when we had church, and then we drove nine hours. I mean, they were getting on my nerves, right? I'm like, how much longer is this vacay, right? And they were driving me crazy. And here's the thing about it. They don't all drive you crazy at once. They take turns. It's not, it's not like everybody can get on the same, the same ship here. We can just kind of have good family vacation. Everybody takes turn, myself and my wife included. Like, we were all getting on each other's nerves. And so, just to make a long story short, my first son, it was his turn to get on our nerves for the first couple of days, and he was driving me. I'm talking nuts. Now, I didn't say anything to him, but I was talking about him in the mirror to myself. You ever been there? I was talking to my wife. He's, I don't know what's wrong with this kid. He's this. He's, he's going to be 10. He's acting like he's seven, and he's a pain in the butt, and he's going to be a convict when he gets old. All, I'm like, literally, never anything I would say to his face, but I was speaking it all over him, like, right? And I was talking about him, and I went to bed. I didn't even feel bad. And I'm not lying to you. God, he, sometimes God speaks in different ways. He spoke to me in a dream, like a very distinct dream. And, he said, and basically what he says, you need to stop talking about my son like that. And I was like, who's that? Who that, God? Who that? <laughs> and he even told me, he said, how often do you hear me talking about you like that in Scripture? When I talk to you about things that you used to do, it says that you used to do those things. But now you're a son of the Most High, adopted and grafted in his family. I don't talk about all the times you're lazy, angry, you know, gossipy, lustful, whatever, sinful. I don't even spend time. I talk about who you're going to be, not who you currently, currently are. He said, you need to quit talking like that over your son and start to speak life over his situation and through his situation. And you need to think about the things that you're saying because the things that you're saying may produce something in his life that you're saying and you're not going to want him to be like that and you're not going to be able to take those words back in a few years and it's actually going to be your fault because you spoke those things over his life and so you need to think before you speak. You need to think about the things that, that you're saying. You need to think about the things that you're letting out of your mouth. You're going to evaluate this week before you escalate. In fact, I love what it says in Psalm 39. It says, I said, I will watch my ways and I will keep my tongue from sin. And I love this. Maybe we should just do this. I will put a muzzle over my mouth in the presence of the wicked. Because Satan is always around trying to trip you up. I'm going to watch everything that I Say, because the power of life and death, they're flowing from my tongue. And so I'm going to think before I speak. I'm going to evaluate what I'm about to say before I escalate. Number two is I'm going to estimate, and then I'm going to eliminate. 
I'm going to estimate, then I'm going to eliminate. I'm going to teach you something this week and next week. You ready? You ready for this? Everything you say should be true. Lying is a sin. All right? Everything you say should be true. But not everything that is true needs to be said. Let me say that one more time so you got that. Because some of y'all are like, well, it's true. (laughs) Okay. Well, nobody say anything about your shirt you're wearing today. That's true, too. That's ugly, bro. (laughs) Just because it's true doesn't need to be said. We know this is a principle. I mean, you ever hung out with a three- or four-year-old? Two weeks ago, we were TJ Maxx. We are walking by, and Harrison, he knows better. He's almost four years old. This, this, this robust gentleman walks by. He's kind of bigger. You can tell he's, he maybe is having a problem with eating or just, you know, thyroid problem or something like that. He was bigger, right? And he just kind of looks at me, looks at him, looks at me, looks at him, and goes, he big. <laughs> Out loud. And I'm like, yeah, that, that's true, but it doesn't need to be said. Like, you can't say those things out loud. And so here's the thing. I'm not telling, some of y'all are like, well, I'm just speaking truth. I'm speaking from frustration. I'm just, I hate my job, and, and I hate my spouse, and, 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 and I hate life, and I just hate myself. And you even talk bad about yourself. I'm just a klutz, and I, and I mess up all the time, and, 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 I, and I never do the right thing. And, and of course, you never do the right thing because you say you're not going to do the right thing, and, and I'm, I don't have enough money. And you say all these things, and I'm not telling you they're not true. I'm telling you, do you really want Satan to have that in your life? Do do you really want him to to have those things in your life to to cause chaos and turmoil? You need to start estimating the cost of giving Satan the plays to to your life. It would be like, listen, in football, and I got a lot of sports themes today, sorry about that, but, but in football, the offense always has the advantage. The defense can watch, play, do all that stuff, but if the offense executes, the defense can never stop them unless they're cheating like the 2004 Patriots versus the Eagles in the Super Bowl. (laughs) And so essentially what happens is you on the offense, because you're called to be on the offense. I don't know if you've known that. The Bible says that Jesus said that the church, and that's what you're a part of, would go against the gates of hell and they would not prevail. It does not say that, the, that hell would come against the gates of heaven and not be able to get in. It doesn't say that. That's what we do in church often. We go, go get in this, this safe room. This is my safe space. And we're going to close the doors and we're going to keep Satan out. No, 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 no. Satan, sa- Satan's coming after you. And the Bible says we're called to go on the offense and the gates of hell will not prevail against us unless you consistently give him your place. Unless you consistently give him the understanding, you need to estimate before you speak. And if it's not something you want him to have, you need to eliminate it from your vocabulary. You need to understand that just because it's true does not mean it has to be said. Does not mean you have to give it to him. You're like, well, I'm just stating the obvious. But here's the cool thing about that. You don't serve the God of the obvious. You serve the God of the impossible. You, you serve the God of the impossible. When you look at things and they're obvious, the Bible says that you can speak to a mountain and tell it to move, and it has to by faith. That God is not discrediting the authenticity of the mountain, but he is discrediting the authority of it in your life. That he has the authority in your life, and everything else is under that authority. You're going you're gonna to estimate, and then you're going to eliminate. That's what it says in Proverbs 17. The one who has knowledge uses words with restraint. You think about it before you speak. And whoever has understanding is even-tempered. Even fools are thought wise if they kept silent. Isn't that good news? People aren't going to know you're dumb if you keep silent. 
That's for me. And discerning if they hold their tongues. We're going to estimate the cost, and then we're going to eliminate. And number three is we're going to educate ourselves, and then we're going to elaborate on that. We're going to educate ourselves on the truth of Scripture, and then we're going to elaborate on that. This is a thought from Scripture. It says in Luke 6, and I don't have the Bible verse up, but it just Jesus says, he says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. You know why you continue to speak things into your life that should not be, that you should not give? Because you're not full of the things of God. You don't spend enough time in God's presence. Average Christian never reads God's word. It's your greatest asset, your greatest tool, your greatest weapon. When it's time to sing the praises of God in, in church, you're just standing there. I always wondered that. When I went into church a few weeks ago, they had cameras just like ours, very, very similar setup. Good church. Church people sitting like this, and they kept taking the cameras, and they would put the cameras on the band, and then sometimes they would push the cameras out to the crowd, and when they pushed the cameras out to the crowd, I actually felt sorry for the video screen. Because when the people went on, they were just like this. Singing these powerful songs. The one song they sang, we sang the same Sunday, No One Higher. There's no one higher than our God. There's nothing greater than our God, and it's time for the people of God to sing it. Is that me on the screen up there? Like, what's going on? Or the people of God, it's time to proclaim the goodness of God. It's time to educate ourselves and then elaborate. There's not a better time to elaborate than a bunch of people in a room singing, you're good, 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 right? And then the best part of that song is when you begin, because some of you feeling let down, but that's not true. Then you begin to sing, you're never going to let, never going to let me down. I'm not going to, you know, you're, and you start singing that and said, you're just shaking my head. And you walk away, you're like, I'm so frustrated in life. Yeah, because you're speaking frustration. You're basically putting the ball two feet away from the hole and telling Satan to tap it in. Here's the setup. Spike it in my face. Here's the things I'm struggling with. Here's why I'm so frustrated. My life stinks. It's time to sing the praises of God. No, I don't want to do that. I want to tell everybody else about how bad that my week has been. And you are giving Satan. You're not estimating the cost. You're not evaluating before you escalate. And you're never ever educated. You don't understand that your greatest weapon in this world is the words of God. When you proclaim the words of God, the Bible says that Jesus said of that mountain, when you talk to that mountain, it has to move. Not because of who you are, but because of whose that you are. And so instead of looking at the mountain and saying, man, I'm never going to get over that. You say, I'm going to speak the name of God, the, the, the authority of Jesus, and that mountain, the Bible says, has to be thrown into the sea. There's, there's a difference. So many times we come in, we come in late, right? Because it's like the opening session, excuse me. Excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. Get your coffee, excuse me, excuse me. We're singing songs. It's going to bring glory and honor. It's going it's to encourage us. It's going to change us meanwhile you're drinking your coffee. You have a chance to raise your hands in, in adoration and submission to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And instead, you spent more time, instead of with your hands raised, you spent more time that day scrolling. You know more about the people on Facebook. You know more about the frustrations in this world than you do about the victory that you have in Jesus Christ. See, what you need to do, and I'm going to explain this to you, is you need to begin to press in, push down, 
and, and, and praise out. You need to press in, press in, push down, and praise out. You're going to put the work in, right? You're going to spend time in God's word. You're going to press in to God's word. You're going to stop saying stuff like, I don't understand it. I always tell you, you understand Facebook and everything else in the world. I don't get it. You're going to press in. You're going to stop with the dumb excuses. You're going to push into the things of God. You can understand it because very common men wrote it. And so if very common men could write it and very common men and women can change this world, you don't need to be a Bible student and a scholar to understand the promises and the truth of God. You're going to press in and spend time in God's Word. It will begin to push down the lies of Satan. And then as it pushes down the lies of Satan, you'll begin to speak and proclaim truth over your life that's what it says in scripture in second corinthians 10 it says the weapons we fight they're not the weapons of this world on the contrary they have divine power to demolish strongholds you know why because a foothold that's not conquered equals a stronghold the weapons we fight with are different watch what he says we demolish arguments by knowing the word of god and every pretentious pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of god and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We, we press in, we push down, and, and then we, we do the third thing, which is we, we praise, we praise out. Here's what happens, and I love this thought. Instead of speaking what you're seeing, you're going to begin to speak what God is saying. That, that's the problem. Instead of speaking consistently what the Bible says, you walk by faith and not what? Do you know it? So you need to read your Bible. You need to dig in, because the Bible says you walk by faith and not sight. That we walk above the mountains. We walk above what we're facing. That we walk above it. We, we, we begin to speak what, we're, what God's saying and not just what we're, we're seeing. You know how many times i got to do that in the summer at church? You look out, you got half a church here. You're like, whoo I'm going to speak what I'm seeing, which is anger with the summer and anger with you on vacation. If you're on vacation, I'm going to pray. A little holy diarrhea for your vacation right now. You've been, you, it's not vacation, you've been there for six, you know, six weeks in a row. That's called sin, right? And so, backsliding. Like, I, that's where I want to be. But I'm not, I'm not going to speak what I'm seeing. I'm going to speak what God is saying. The Bible says that God will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. God wants to fill every seed in this church up, not for, for my glory, but for his glory. He loves people more than I could ever imagine. His plan for them is bigger than anything I can ever come up with. And there's 4.8 million people in my backyard that are yet to experience the goodness of Jesus Christ. And so instead of speaking what I'm seeing, we had a bad Sunday, we had a low offering, everybody didn't show up, everybody's in a bad mood, I'm going to speak what the Word of God is saying over my church. I'm not going to give Satan a foothold. I'm not going to give him my frustration. I'm going to estimate the cost before I give that to him. I'm going to evaluate what I'm about to say with the word of God. And then I'm going to continually educate my spirit. And after I educate my spirit, I'm going to elaborate. I'm going to speak the word of God. And as I fill my life with the word of God, guess what's going to come out? The words of God. And the word of God holds the power of of life in my life. Would you stand up with me?